So hello everyone, welcome to the NP studio. Today we have with us another really, really special guest. Uh, and this time we are bringing someone um, from the education and the quant industry. Um, so we have with us um, Ms. Daphne Kiss. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, and before we dive into the, into the conversation, um, I think it'd be fit to know, uh, you know, the work that she has done and who she is as a person. So Daphne uh, has been at the forefront of identifying, chronicling, and transforming trends in the technology industry for over three decades now. She's the CEO um, and a board member of the World Quant University, which is an accredited not-for-profit dedicated to advancing global education in the data sciences. She's also a member of the World Economic Forum Skills Consortium, uh, which is focused on developing a skills taxonomy that can be globally applied to closing the skills gap and addressing the future of work. Um, working in data-driven healthcare, she has also co-founded Litmus Health, which is a clinical data science platform that helps researchers increase the certainty of their conclusions and describe the full value of their digital cl clinical trials. She's also invested in and nurtured over 35 startups, um, you know, globally, many of which, which have led to successful IPOs and acquisitions. Um, and uh, she's a frequent speaker at leading events, including the Nantucket Project, the Credit Suisse Women's Summit, the World Economics Forum's um, annual meeting in Davos in Africa, and several others. So uh, truly, uh, you know, a great wealth of experiences to bring on the table. And it's a pleasure to have you on, Daphne. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Um, well, I think we can just kickstart this conversation, which will be, um, you know, really free flowing and formal um, with what the World Quant University is and what is your mission and, and maybe the USPs of, of what sets it apart from maybe some of the other universities out there. Um, sure. Happy to. So um, World Quant University has been around for about five years. Personally, I was initially on the advisory board and then was asked to come in and uh, build it you know, turn it into a, a viable entity and to, to grow it, which we've done over the past uh, um, <clears throat> five years. We are a fully accredited, completely online, truly and entirely free uh, platform. We support two programs. One is a uh, data science lab, a 16-week uh, project-based endeavor with eight different projects in which you're really using uh, data science and learning data science by using, uh, you know, answering questions in, a, in particular environmental geographical contexts. And the other thing about it that's very special is that you sort of learn to code. Everyone sort of has access to a remote machine, essentially a virtual machine wow. in which you're getting uh, real time, you know, feedback on your coding. And so that's part of what differentiates it. And of course, the fact that it is entirely free. We had a different program previously and have now brought it on in-house, learned a lot over these last few years and are will be scaling this again. Uh, previously in, in our prior version, we had about 4,000 students on the platform at any time wow. in over 80 countries working on, on um, basically learning Python and learning its applications right. and use cases. And again, very much oriented towards uh, its application in business. And our students were people who were within a company and found that they needed to, to sort of upskill, as well as people who were using the platform mm -hmm. to, you know, gain employment. And then our second program for, you know, real flagship program is our master's in financial engineering, which for those who don't know is really... Um, the intersection of computer science, data science, and financial uh, management. And um, 
it's a it's a it's a degree that's there are quite a few programs in the U.S. Um, that offer it, um, about 80 to 90 in the United States, but it's not as common a degree outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, uh, achieved accreditation in 2020, and we are now um, uh, offering it all around the world. We're in the process of doing some upgrades as well. It's always the nature of this industry. It's not, you know, it's not like studying comparative literature or yes. classics. It's a, it's a very uh, iterative area in which there's always upgrades to be made. And so part of what we're working on now is to mm-hmm. really leverage technology, which is part of our mission, in order to offer this around the world and to be able to iterate as advances are made in the industry and mm-hmm. really to make it, um, we've kind of reverse engineered uh, what industry is looking for and design the program around that. And we'll continue to do that. Um, so uh, we have on at any given time about 1,500 students on the platform in nearly 100 countries working wow. towards their master's. It is mm-hmm. basically uh, nine courses and a capstone project. It's taught sequentially uh, and intended to be achieved over a two-year period. And again, entirely free uh, and um, to anyone who takes it. No, absolutely no costs other than, you know, if you, if English is not your language of instruction, then you have to demonstrate, uh, language proficiency. And there is a, you know, an application process that, uh, it's open to people who have bachelor's degrees and, uh, people come from a variety of variety of backgrounds and, uh, understand some with advanced degrees as well who are really using the opportunity either to get a master's and get into this industry, or again, to reskill and upskill um, and create new opportunities for their, their careers and their employment. Wow. So that's, yeah. no, that, that's fascinating. It, like so many um, good, unique things um, that are not that well known of in the industry, you know, that you guys are really hitting the nail on, um, especially providing something that's absolutely free in a very lucrative field such as quantitative finance and then you know doing it in over 100 plus countries with um you know like an amalgamation of uh, just like stories and cultures and all of them just um coming together to, to yeah. solve problems um that's amazing and i was looking at the website really impressive um even i think you know um, the parent company <clears throat> World Quant and you know Igor's vision with it. Um, mm-hmm. If you can just talk a little bit about how, um, like, what was the rationale of starting this, and like, why why make it free? Why um, you know why make it global and not just native to the US or to mm-hmm. to the employees of World Quant and their families? Maybe like, what was the drive that that led? Sure. To uh-huh. So so yes. So Igor uh, Tolchinsky, who was the the uh, founder, president, CEO of uh, World Quant LLC which is a financial management investment firm. And Igor himself is an immigrant, is self-made, and um, really sort of uh, had this vision. He's very committed to education and had this vision for WorldQuant University, you know, that's based on on the notion that uh, while talent is equally distributed, opportunity is not. And so we've built this to bring opportunity to the talent. Our goal is not to educate people and then, you know, get them visas so they can, whatever, work, you know, move to Zurich and work for Credit Suisse. We're really focused on helping people in their geographies upskill and then, you know, ideally have positive and sort of um, 
outsized impacts on their communities. Um, we uh, um, and and. So that was sort of the original vision, which is still very much with us. And uh, obviously the choice of, of industries is obviously related to, to Egoi's experience and areas of expertise. And um, as we built it, we really, you know, it wasn't by design that we said, let's go to 100 countries. It right. was more that people found the platform and found it useful. So about 30% of our students, it, it, it varies, you know, it goes up and down depending on cohort, but on average, about 30% of our students are in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and then of course, another big concentration in, in South Asia and all over Asia and in every, you know, parts of Europe as well. So again, it, the, it, English is the language of instruction. So there's a sort of almost self-selection that happens for right. people who are able to take advantage of the program in the language in which it's taught. And um, the whole idea, yes, I mean, part of WorldQuant LLC, uh, the company has employees all around the world. And so the idea that there is this talent that is is globally distributed is something that's very native to the organization itself. There's a very significant separation of church and state. And for example... Uh -huh. Anyone who studies with us on any one of our programs um, uh, is not allowed to then seek employment from WorldQuant for uh, at least 12 months after their, right. their completion. And obviously that's because this is philanthropic. It's not intended to be a, a pipeline okay. to employment. Mm -hmm. But uh, the general sentiment is to sort of lift all boats and that it benefits the industry and, and many different industries, by the way. I mean, it's not just that we're focused on finance and the financial industry, but in fact, that there is uh, opportunity uh, across industries. I, I'm a big believer that this degree in the coming years will be, you know, as valuable as an MBA, whether you're in agriculture or health or in, in you know, and having an investment lens on it, um, but that there are just, um, the suite of skills is just highly relevant and relatively future-proofed in that sense so uh, <laughs> no especially the the fact that i mean personally you know just personally speaking i my interest got peaked into into quant the world of quantitative finance like very recently you know not having known of what it entails and you know the kind of um opportunities in the field and and the potential that it possesses that is still a lot of it is still untapped you know um so i'm glad that through you know the world quant university there are like now being created more avenues for people to you know utilize uh, a free education which is yes. taught by the best people i mean i was even looking at the advisory board and you know whether that's like fellows of the mit media labs or like you know people from the big tech firms or um you know just the, the top-notch universities in terms of their uh, their professional aspirations and involvement with computer science um i think it's it's fascinating the entire framework that's been created to push the world of quantitative finance ahead and to do so in a collaborative spirit and bringing in everyone from the world and not just restricting it to, let's say, a country or, or a particular town. Um, right. I mean, I think one thing that's important, I would just correct a little bit, which is it isn't, right. it really isn't a quant finance degree, which is mm -hmm. also exists. It really is more interdisciplinary than that you know, perhaps oh. arguably less math-based perhaps uh -huh. than, you know, some quant finance degrees tend to be. So, you know, this stuff's really, and I think for people who are interested in looking at it, it's important to look sort of at the spectrum of how these degrees are offered and what their point right. of emphasis is. For us, 
you know, very much part of, and this is also significant in terms of upgrading the curriculum, uh-huh. really trying to develop these interdisciplinary critical thinking skills, which, um, you know, apply whether you're responsible financially for an organization, or again, I think anyone, you know, any CFO in five years from now needs yeah. to know, you know, two years from now needs to know enough about data science and about how those inputs got there (laughs) to be a better decision maker. So, you know, it's from that end as well as, again, I think that because of its interdisciplinary nature, Mm -hmm. this is part of why I think there's a lot of opportunities outside of strictly finance, Uh um, because, again, those analytic and critical thinking skills uh, in, in, in this interdisciplinary way are ones that are just again, relevant to every industry in this day and age. You know, everything is so data-centric and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, decision-making is driven by that. So again, there are different points of emphasis and whether it's, you know, the machine learning part of it or more the financial management part, Mm -hmm. it's that composite of skills that um, uh, really are, are, I think, you know, highly relevant across the board. Well, um, especially, I mean, you know, great point mentioning uh, data science and how it's sort of like changing the gears of the world right now. You know, everything mm-hmm. is data driven and a lot of whether it's statistics, stochastics, you know, so many of these fields which are coming up now um, are all data centered. Um, what where do you think? I mean, if I were to ask you just, you know, you know in a big picture format, um, whether it's quant or whether it's uh, data science or whether it's financial engineering, where do you see like the marriage of these fields like moving moving forward? Like, are there any particular applications that are really interesting to tap into with within your experience, or is there anything else um, that's just on the cusp of you know uh, becoming more widespread? Um, what do you think about these fields and like where they're moving? Well, I think the the deep learning and the machine learning stuff is becoming increasingly relevant. And people really need to understand that and how it all works. You know, part of the thing, and you made the point that, that you know, it's all becoming so data-driven. But, um, you know, one of the, the great hazards, of course, is to be able to really understand. Um, and so, you know, we're also interested in data ethics. We're interested in, oh, in yes. sort of, you know, uh, a fair application that is, is inclusive and really leads to, you know, it's one of those industries that's been particularly burdened by by bias in a lot of ways and so uh certainly that's something that we want um students and and you know learners to to come in contact with and again develop that critical thinking approach and i think that i think industry is going to demand that more and more um and so you know it's not a matter of just learning the skills but it's really deep thinking about them. But I do think the ML stuff and finance Uh and all of that and those applications are only going to grow. And Uh people, you know, again, there, you know, there's lots of opportunities for analysts, uh, again, across industries, Uh um, and then, you know, different, different roles to be played. Um, uh, um, And I think that's, that's just going to continue and grow and become more global. You know, Uh one of our interests, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa it's, you know, you have a continent that's, first of all, I mean, no question is the sort of continent of the 21st century. Uh, its growth numbers are, you know, exceed every other part of the world. Definitely. And there's a huge talent pool that, you know, needs to kind of leapfrog almost to this 21st century thinking uh, in order to ensure its own future and that it's not, you know, um, 
um, dominated by too many external forces that, you know, right. where suddenly, you know, the Chinese government owns the air, you know, the only international airport in Uganda because they couldn't pay their debt. Right. And so, I mean, surely some of that is political, et cetera, but it's also, uh, we've had students from many different countries also who work in government, who are interested in, uh, you know, how the, their country's futures will look. And so that that's some of the applications I think will become very relevant. In the U.S., uh, it's, it's, you know, perhaps slightly different. And again, people can, there's a little bit of a uh, more sort of parodied comparison that you can uh-huh. make to the degrees that are offered, the graduate degrees in financial year engineering. And right. then, of course, uh, you know, our, um, we, we, we are working to position ourselves in that top white, right, you know, corner of the quadrant of being mm-hmm. um, truly free and very high level. Well, um <laughs> I mean, some stuff that you shared about, um, you know, I myself didn't know that, let's say, um, Africa as a continent is really, you know, on on the verge of, you know, massive development. And mm-hmm. um, they have some amazing brains contributing to this field, um, mm-hmm. too. Like any, uh, maybe in your experience, having interacted with someone, like, where do you see, like, I, I just was interested in this particular continent, like, their input in this field, any recent developments or something that you feel is, you know, um, is probably underrated or or something that they have so much potential in um, that they are meant to sort of take, take this field forward. I'd, I'd be more than happy to know more about it. Yes. Well, I think, again, I think from a government perspective, we've had students, you know, uh, who are work in government and from countries from Ethiopia to, to Somalia to, you know, where, uh, um, again, they're taking some of these skills back and helping to advance their internal organizations. I think agriculture, for example, is a huge, huge application, wow. you know, sort of like everybody talks about the Internet of Things, right? Well, that's uh-huh. great, but you can have all these sensors all over your field. You can collect the data. And then the question is, now what? Yeah, what to do right? with that? That's yeah, what do you do with that? So, you know, I think the sort of 1.0 version of this was, again, that sort of Internet of Things of just coll- the ability to, you know, um, <clears throat> You know, it's Genesis is like it's an RFID, but now is so enabled to capture everything, right? I read something recently about a uh, now clothing stores are thinking about um, uh, putting tags on 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 garments where you can just look, you know, make the connection, scan whatever, and you can learn everything about the product, all the wow. specs about it, without anybody having to, you know, populate their websites with it or do this or do that again. Uh-huh. So you can, t- you can have all that. And then of course, as that is happening, the retailers or, 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 you know, manufacturers, whatever are collecting data, but again, then what? Yeah. So Let's, again, what do, mm-hmm. what do you do with it? And, you know, one of the things that's distinguished uh, world quant is a lot of that sort of predictive analysis of of what happens once you collect all this data and looking for signals in the uh, in the industry that that tell you something from a gajillion different data points. So I think that's only going to, we're only going to see more of that. And but with that is also sort of the need to be more discriminating about it, about where value lies in that information and how to how to again turn it into meaningful uh, applications. And, and utilizations, you know, that, that, yeah. um, so 
I think there's a lot of that. Certainly among banks, et cetera, we've had people who've, I mean, I can't tell you the range of backgrounds that we have with students. You know, people come have their bachelor's degrees in everything from applied physics and economics to, you know, education and hospitality. Uh, And again, it's, it's, um, people are understanding that whatever their, whatever they come from, they need to have these kinds of quantitative skills in order to, you know, better leverage their, their existing or, you know, future expertise in these areas. So uh, I think that those are the drivers. And again, I think those are ways that people, um, we've got, you know, we obviously collect survey regularly and have gotten a lot of feedback or, or people who are, you know, in their 40s and are in an industry that they've known and this they're using getting this degree or the data science program as a way to upgrade uh, and make continue to make themselves relevant in the industry in which they work, already work. Right. So, And like using, what's so interesting to me is that, you know, um, like while we know the fact that uh, work on universities, you know, fully online and um, it, it attracts people from around the globe, like something which is also a great asset that you guys sort of like bolster uh, that I didn't think of until now is that, yeah, there is no like age barriers or there is no, um, I mean, while there is a meritocratic way in which they get in and they understand more about the, the industry and they've already been a part of it, but, you know, you can have people from all all sorts of experiences coming in, all sorts of ages, um, all sorts of degrees, you know. Um, right. So I think it's, it's, it's a great blend and I think they transcend those barriers sometimes that you know other systems might impose on um on them so that's that's pretty interesting to me actually yes. um there's this really because you were telling about how you know this all plays in interdisciplinarity and how um you know data is nothing until we make use of it um i read somewhere that you know like there's this beautiful quote that i really resonate with um it said that you know information is just i think bits of data and then knowledge is putting it together, um, like those bits of data together, and then wisdom is transcending them, you know? And I think that's precisely um, what you said is happening within, you know, not uh, not only WorldCon, but also like um, other places in this industry. Um, I'll I'll, I'll tell you something to your point, and just anecdotally, you know, at first, when we first sort of built some of this, we thought, okay, well, let's, you know, a lot of, I mean, this is an important piece too, which is in order to scale, but more importantly, this is what industry is demanding, is that there are a lot of collaborative tasks that are done, all right? So group people work in teams. There's a lot of individual work, but they also work in teams, and we're developing great systems for them to basically do peer-to-peer review. But at first, we, you know, for the first several years, we we tried to, um, you know, we, we grouped people who were in uh, you know, from north to south, who were in the same time zones because we thought we were helping them so that they could, you know, work together. Right. And then the complaints we got were, well, I end up working with the same people over and over again. And uh-huh. the reason I'm here and or part of the reason I'm here and the value that it brings is because I'm getting, you know, for us, how exciting to think that a project is completed you know, a, a woman in Singapore is collaborating with somebody in Senegal and wow. that the result of that. And so a lot of the feedback we get, which is certainly not true of most brick and mortar, um, you know, uh, um, institutions, is that it is this sort of, you know, unique opportunity to cross collaborate. 
and to work with people who you wouldn't otherwise encounter. And we've gotten lots of reports back of, you know, meaningful relationships and friendships and collaborations um, being an outcome and, and helping, you know, sustain people in the future. And so certainly one of our aspirations, and we, we had to wait for accreditation for all this, but, you know, is to bring us, build a strong alum network where people can, um, you know, well, we, we recently we had a, a graduate in Australia who's starting a hedge fund and he wants to hire other graduates. Wow. Right. So, again, this is the kind of thing of just building an ecosystem over time that, um, you know, kind of closes a loop, as it were. Right. And like providing, you know, providing the necessary embedders for them to then, you know, go ahead and do their own um, you know, excel by themselves and, you know, with a collaborative spirit, even with others from around the world, because, you know, why be confined to a particular geographical context, you know, you can, when you know, you can transcend it and, you know, partner with a lot of other people. Um, this is fascinating. Um, I also wanted to, you know, um, transition to um, some of your personal experiences. Um, one that really, um, you know, piqued my interest again was um, your involvement with the World Economics Forum's um, Skills Consortium. Mm -hmm. So I do know the WEF, like its famous conference in Davos and, you know, in Africa. And um, if you could just throw a little bit light on, um, like your involvement there, when you've been there, like how the conference is like, that's something that I'm sure, you know, our <laughs> listeners would also be interested in. And what specifically is the Skills Consortium that you're a part of? Right. So, um, I mean, the World Economic Forum, it, it, you know, we're, there was hope that it would happen again this January oh, yes. and then was delayed. It may may happen in May. I think it's, you know, one week or a month at a time at this point. But, um uh, you know, it's an incredible gathering of, of minds. And it's, it's just, uh, um, I, I, you know, my general experiences with conference like, conferences like that is that uh, I find it the most valuable to go to sessions and participate in things that are actually not outside, my, that are not narrowly within my area of expertise or right. interest, that it's, a, it's an opportunity to, you know, almost in a retreat-like way, be expansive and think about things differently and get inputs. Because it's certainly, I think, you know, we're all tend to be a little bit in our own echo chambers. And so mm -hmm. an opportunity to get outside of that. Um, in terms of, of the consortium, uh, that work has, has been for, I guess it's about 15 months now or so, and uh, keeps evolving. And really, um, uh, the consortium has worked hard to develop a taxonomy for skills, for 21st century skills, and is experimenting on using some of that um, with uh, various country accelerators that they've worked with around the world. And so again, trying to create a standard when everybody says skills development, what does that mean? And what are we looking at? And what areas and, and are will persist and um, are, are logical? Again, pretty technologically based, for the most part, but um, really uh, um, just, you know, cross industry, cross geographies to create a, a shared standard so that people can, um, you know, th that it's demonstrable and transferable. Um, so that's pretty much the work. I mean, my involvement, you know, we, we whatever meet five, six times a year, et cetera, contribute what we see in our own populations. Certainly some of the other members, you know, we're, we're a small potato in that sense because we have a very focused and very um, communicative relationship to our community versus, you know, a Coursera or Kaplan or whatever that 
mm-hmm. are you know in the millions where their data is 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 different and and uh, um, you know just at scale in a different kind of way. Definitely. So, yeah. But, but wow, I mean. Uh, definitely, I will personally go and check this out. Um, you know, yeah. I know a lot about it before, and I highly recommend anyone who's listening to this to also do that. Um, yes. uh, you know, I mean, skills and, you know, vocational training, and um, I think that entire suite of tools, um, you know, it constitutes so much of especially like, uh, you know, countries that are um, now, you know, on, on the cusp of like more greater economic development. I mean, I originally come from India, and I know the value that um, skilled labor brings to the table and and how, um, you know, technology, if at all, it, it could be improved or it could be enhanced. Um, so, yeah, yes. that's amazing. Glad and I know. think, you know, whether big companies or SEMs or, you know, whatever it is, that this approach is one, you know, arguably it's driven by bigger corporations and what they, but everybody's confused, you know, it's sort of like the conversation about remote, work right like this is you know there's a really some analogies there where everybody's like you know it's almost like if you're a small or a medium enterprise you're facing the same challenges that a large corporation is you know it's happening in real time and you don't we we, it's 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 sort of a a collective global experiment and i think that's true (laughs) in terms of of skills in the future as well okay i mean uh, again, the you know if you take the, in, we have many students in India as well, um, and and uh, but I think people are trying to figure out you know what what is what what can I carry with me right yes. that's going to persist. Obviously, this you know a program like ours is is predicated on people being you know lifelong learners and really you know a lot of it falls on the student this it's not brick and mortar it's not but if people can sort of avail themselves of this it is it is a uh, you know a pedagogical approach that they can take with them as well so apart from the content this kind of relationship to learning where you you know, obviously it's already self-selecting, as I often say on panels, you know, and banks and stuff, you know, it's great. Sure. You get the kid from Harvard and, you know, everybody's, everything's the way, way has been paved and it's, mm-hmm. um, but people, you know, are getting hired from institutions like that based on what people think are their future capabilities. Right. One of the things in online learning is that you, you come away with skills, Right. And so it's it's it is a leveler in that way as well, because you come with, you know, this is part of the whole bigger discussion about credentialing and all of that, which is part of what what WEF is thinking about as well. How do you how do we have a shared standard that's not just reliant on, you know, the higher education pedagogy and that's been around forever, but open it up because, you know, we need the labor force. We need. The to do all that. So they, they drive a lot of uh, economic growth and development for countries. And um, I mean, a great perspective also to look at a lot of these, um, I want to say pandemic induced uh, externalities um, mm-hmm. that that have become levelers, like, you know, whether yes. it's online learning, or I think it, it's become a common denominator. And I feel that um, the way in which it's being accessed and the way in which it's, you know, shaping a new normal um, is, is unprecedented. Um, yes. And just to make an extra point in there, it's uh-huh. also these types of industries in which women are very underrepresented, all right, across mm-hmm. in other geographies, the idea yeah. that you can do this from your home, 
uh, is a really important factor, okay? That you don't have to go somewhere else, that you can do it at a, your own pace. I mean, in our master's, for example, you have up to three years to complete the degree. So again, this opens up economic opportunity to people who otherwise, you know, it just wouldn't be available to them. Feasible. Um, and I think a perfect transition, because what I also wanted to discuss with um, is uh, something, you know, I think I'm sure is true to your heart and uh, that you give a lot of your time to as well, which is, um, you know, your belief in the global empowerment of women in entrepreneurship. And um, mm -hmm. just just want to touch up on something here that, you know, you have been uh, advising and mentoring organizations, um, including uh, SheEO, um, you know, the Quorum Initiative, Mindshift Capital, Springboard Enterprises, and also, you know, you've you've been to and spoken at the Credit Suisse um, Women's Summit. Uh, mm -hmm. How important is this? Um, I want to say this field to you, um, and where where do you see it going, especially during these last two three years, where as we saw, as we just talked about, you know, there have been great many levelers um, due to due to the pandemic. Right. So I think, you know, part of it is this is I think it being free is very important in this context. Again, particularly, I'd say that we just got some stats in terms of our data science lab. And uh, it honestly, it's harder a little bit in financial engineering. We're working hard to get our number of, of, of women participants to elevate that. You know, again, I think that women who have strong, you know, in the U.S. STEM backgrounds, et cetera, you know, uh, um, don't necessarily understand that these kinds of opportunities are open to them. So we we want to to you know it is a from my perspective it's a very important part of the work that we do and it's challenging um, because you know again it, it's not it's not that women are not capable of this. Part of it is sort of just revealing to people that oh, yes. these opportunities exist. And you know when when. Um, you have to pay for it, but the stakes are so, so high. You know, the risk is so, so high. I think that that's one area in which, you know, while again, I mean, we, we want people to come in and stick with it and we want to support them on that journey. It's very important that people have the opportunity to see and uh, uh, and discover that they can do something other than what they thought they could do or the right. limits of what they thought they could do. And so that's, it, it's, it's very, very important to us. And we welcome all suggestions from your listeners about ways in which to, you know, give more visibility um, and, and help women know that this exists and that it is oh, yes. opportunistic for them. Why not? And um, I mean, yeah, just a great um, aside that it's, um, it, it's increasingly important um, for their, um, I want to say, their inclusion in finance and not only finance, but in this entire field of data science and, um, yeah. you know, um, financial engineering or development, um, because we have seen a lot of, um, you know, a lot of products out of this, whether there's a lot of like only, you know, women led startups that have gone on to become big companies in this field. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of potential that currently remains untapped and um, through, you know, the World Fund University and through the other forums or organizations that you're involved in, I'm sure mm -hmm. uh, it's coming about. Um, that's that's great. Um, other than that, I think just, um, you know, what what do you think, uh, I wanted to know, like, what do you think are your, are your some of your views maybe for um, my generation? So the generation that's about to take on this, you know, whole wave of um, you know, just just finance and and data science and the whole and the whole paraphernalia that goes with it. Um, any any tips, any suggestions? Um, where what resources do you think we should use? Just 
you know, throwing it out the open end. Well, you know, I, um, <laughs> I, I still, by the way, I'm still a very big believer in a liberal arts education. And I think one of the things right. I worry about uh, is that people, are, again, are becoming less critical thinkers. And arguably, in this day and age, we need people to think critically more than ever. So I, I would argue that it's sort of finding the balance, okay? I mean, if I, I mean, I have, I have adult daughters who are uh, a little bit, you know, they're more millennium than they are Gen X. And they, they are, are Gen Z. They, they are, uh, but they understand that it, it is, and I think this is just more true than ever that you need to be interdisciplinary about it. So I, I, I'm a, uh, um, one of my hopes is that we will be able, and again, with our updated platform, there's a lot of opportunity to become curators on behalf of our students and to introduce them to ideas that are seemingly tangential to what they're learning, uh -huh. but actually improve their capability a lot. And so, you know, I, I think for anybody in, in your situation now, you have to appreciate that higher education is really in crisis. And, oh, you know, the, the traditional model, which has existed for whatever, 100 plus years, you know, in the entire 20th century of how is, is in crisis. And so how do you for yourself both develop those hardcore skills but at the same time, you know, I, it sounds really silly, but, you know, read a novel, okay? Yeah. <laughs> because I really believe that, um, you know, all this stuff without its humanity is useless. I, I also think that it is fair and, and for students in, in, for example, for like someone like you as a sophomore, to demand more and more that your mm -hmm. institutions you're affiliated with do a better job of... Uh, you know, not not job fairs and not, but really helping in that transition between the ivory tower and the real world. And oh, yes. that, that there is a lot of opportunity there to help people, you know, just kind of launch in a way that's going to be both, um, you know, preserve the sense of self and the work-life balance and all of that, while at the same time, opening them to new opportunities. And some of that, you know, I, I think for anyone who looks and is thinking about which institution to affiliate with, that it's important to look at those institutions and see if they're doing that hard work themselves oh, yes. to provide, again, both the very best of, of you know, classical, and which remains relevant learning, as well as the, the balanced with the, you know, transferable skills, um, which you know, are, are what employers are looking for and what, um, uh, and, and I think for somebody graduating to take that approach, you know, we've, we've had such a historically, it's like you're college, then you're done learning stuff <laughs> or you go to an, you know what I mean? And oh, yes. that's not the world yeah. you live in. Okay. Oh, and yeah. in some sense, I would say that this generation is, is better equipped to do that, is more agile to get access to that information. But I think curation is more important than ever because there is so much out there. So again, you know, institutions like the ones you're affiliated, you and probably some of most of your listeners are affiliated with, have an obligation to, to connect in a way that before was just so segmented and, and separated. Oh, yes. I mean, 
it's you know props to you and uh, the entire team for you know building bridges i think because as you said correctly it's time to connect the ivory tower with the rest of the world and yeah. um i'm i'm sure that you know the listeners as well as um, anyone else who's affiliated with this um you know take away that there is so much more to give back to the community and and we I, I mean i can definitely say that you know we're all um you know fortunately privileged to be able to have the resources um to do that and you know to to barter this sort of change um so that's that's amazing and um uh, i mean i just had like one small aside as well because when you were talking about like this entire thing being in this interdisciplinary and how we have to you know connect different dots from different spheres um there's this uh, i mentioned this in earlier in one of my other episodes is there's this beautiful uh, ted talk given by uh, this lady amelia wapnick or wapnick where she says that um humans have uh, this ability to be inherently multipotentialites mm-hmm. and this is a word that i'm not sure if she coined or it already exists but what she sort of like connected that to is that we have the innate ability to join you know seemingly unrelated fields um and you know in a more cohesive manner and and as a result of that marriage do something more um more interesting out of that so you know how the sum is greater than its individual parts that is the mm-hmm. exact um you know thought that she was trying to impart and and say that we all have that ability and we all innately possess that because we are all meant to do multiple different things be a jack of all trades and be a master of one you know so um i definitely feel that with what you said this would be um a decently a decent supplementary thought to take you know for the listeners to take this away mm-hmm. <laughs> great great yeah well um, th- thank you so much thank you that thank you it was a pleasure to speak today. with you and definitely um, likewise and um you guys stay tuned um for the next episode of the np studio okay great thank you and i wish you and all your listeners the best thank you thank you